We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hi, everyone. This is Christina. And this is MJ. And this is another episode of A Spooky Tales. And uh, it's been a while again. <laughs> <laughs> It's been at least two episodes since we've had you um, I know, I here was with sick. us today, MJ. <laughs> sick with the Rona. <laughs> not fun. Yeah. The Rona got me and then it got you. <laughs> yeah. And we're not even in the same place, you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's going around, though. Everybody. I Okay, so when I got it, which was like, what, two weeks, three weeks ago? Two weeks, I think. And everybody was like, you have the Ronin too. And everybody like that lives around my area. Because Lulu, um, one of our guests before, she also had the, the Ronin. And she was like, girl. And it was like when we had a heat wave too. So I was sick. My throat was what's it called. It was Terrible. like 105 degrees. And here I am 105 degrees <laughs> eating soup. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Latinos, <laughs> Latina moms would love this. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah so it was it was a pain so yeah but you know what we're here we're here mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you everyone for uh sticking with us through our our turmoil of like not having episodes episodes being late of having both. guests on instead of mj <laughs> <laughs> yeah today we have some haunted hacienda stories and maybe a jail a haunted jail legend from durango i might include that i don't know we'll see <laughs> oh and instead of a listener story mj has a story so, yeah. yeah let's uh let's do oh before we do this uh if you have any stories that you want to send us that you want us to read on the podcast just uh email us at ispookytales at gmail.com or send us a dm through any of our so socials oh my god i can't it's been too long since i've done this i almost said socials like instead of socials <laughs> god i'm here for what this is happening we're totally <laughs> professional. Like the we just we miss are. one week and everything goes like it's like I don't remember. And how to my do ass this. didn't even miss a week. I recorded two <laughs> times without you, so <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, send us your stories. <laughs> we love reading them. Go on, MJ. Tell us your story. All right. So the short spooky story my son Space Ghost told me a few days ago. So my mother takes walks early in the morning because she's on medication and she, you know, her time is only in the morning or at night because it's like one of those that are, what is it called? Like um, photosensitive medications. And um, Oh, okay. So we live uh, right next to the UC and it's an open space. It's very beautiful. It's green. Residents of, of the city can just go there and take pictures or have, you know, a picnic whatever you want. So my uh, son joined my mom this particular morning on her um, morning walk. You know, we were just getting over Corona. So they're, they're, they're going at their own pace and they kept on taking breaks. And in this one instance, both him and my mom uh, sat down on this bench and it's like a courtyard and it has like an old school uh, payphone. What? Yeah, apparently they, they still, still have those. Apparently they still exist. News to me. Wow. But anyways, yeah. so my mom was like, you know, my mom and my and my son were just like chilling there, and then they, um, you know, it, they see the payphone, mom, and you know, my mom's like, oh, that's old school. But they think nothing of it. 
So, you know, they're taking like a five, 10 minute break. And then my son gets startled, which startles in then my mom. And my mom was like, but well, what's wrong? You're freaking me out. And my son was like, shh, do you hear that? And they look over to like where the sound is coming from. And it's coming from the payphone. And the payphone, it sounds like someone is pressing the buttons. Now, if you know, if you're Gen Z, maybe you don't know what this sound is, but anyone who grew up in the 90s knows that little clickety, you know, clack that the buttons on the payphone have. Mm, yeah. And, and it's just like making this sound. And they're the, the only two in the area because, like, again, it's early in the morning. Nobody's there. It's, it's just mostly. So you know, it sounds like someone's making a call. Yeah, making that a it? call. Yeah. But like pressing the buttons. And then, you know how, how you know, when you press that little, um, what is it called? The the hook switch, where which, you know, gives you your change back and hangs up the phone. And it makes that yeah, specific yeah, yeah. sound. Everyone knows, like, when mm-hmm. you hang up the payphone, it has, you know, that that clinking of the change it has the clinking of not only like you know the phone getting hung up but at the same time the change being given back to you and Uh they heard this and my mom and my 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 son were just freaked out because there was no one at the payphone they're the only two in the courtyard and on top of that there's like they don't see any Buttons being pressed, like, or, you know, like movement. It's just the sound coming from the payphone. It was like somebody was making a call. And my mom begins to record it while it's still making it. But then as soon as she brings out her phone, the noises stop. So my son was freaked out because he was like, he, d- he didn't, you know, grow up with the payphone. But it was like this sound, like someone was touching it. That was coming from the payphone. They like all, someone was making a call. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they were like wow. freaked out. And they were like right there on the, like the bench next to the payphone. And they were just like, what the hell did we just experience? That's wild. Wow. Mm-hmm. And out of like, like the weirdest thing, like just a random payphone at a UC while they're on a walk. It's just, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many ghosts are haunting payphones. I mean, it has to be for sure like a like a eighties or nineties ghost, like for sure. Yeah, like, for sure. I mean they had those in the seventies too, so did they? didn't they? Oh yeah. I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea when payphones, like payphones are, are old. But I do oh actually you know what? I vaguely remember seeing one of those, like the ones that with that you have to hold the like this little like cone thing to your ear and you speak into the payphone. Yeah. In like a movie or something. Yeah, it's probably like <laughs> since the 30s, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess was... these specific ones have to be like at least 70s and up. The yeah. ones you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. and I rem- and I haven't seen a payphone in forever. I I didn't even know they exist. I thought they like discontinued them, but I thought they took them all out of the streets. <laughs> yeah, but apparently there's still some, and uh, my mom said it was fully intact. And that it might still be working. Who knows? Weird. Who wants to go first? Do I go first? Do you go first? You can go first. Okay. Well, I will just tell this legend from Durango because I wrote it all down and there's no better time than the present. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I was like, I don't know. Does it fit the theme? But whatever. We'll just, we'll just go with it. Okay, so this is a legend from Durango, and uh, according to legend, in the late 1800s, there was an old prison that is uh, located in Durango, Durango, and the prison was known for its, like, terrible conditions, and there was one 
particular cell in that prison that was like surrounded with mystery and apparently they call it the cell of death dun 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 yes perfect perfect uh, sound there <laughs> so it's a it's a solitary confinement cell and it was like like any other no light could enter but it was also different because every prisoner that was sent to cell 27 was found dead in the morning every single one so rumors obviously spread about this cell and some began believing that it was inhabited or I don't know uh, what's it called haunted be like, haunted yeah. by an evil spirit yeah that would steal souls and uh, others believe that it was guards doing it that guards poisoned every single inch of the cell so people that were sent in there would die others believe that the devil himself was taking lives in the cell and it got to the point where uh, guards were offering prisoners their freedom if they survived a whole night in cell 27 without dying. That's m- messed. You right? That's that's a whole new um what's it called? What's it called when they kill you for committing crimes? Oh, uh execution? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a whole new way to do that. <laughs> So there were some prisoners that were, like, too prideful and they didn't believe in these kinds of things and they accepted, but none made it out alive. And soon enough, there were, like, no prisoners that wanted to accept the challenge. And then in 1884, there was a a rabbit dog roaming Durango and it began attacking children and a young man who was known as Juan Sin Miedo, Fearless Juan, that was his nickname, (laughs) he saw the dog and he fired at it with his rifle. His only intention was to protect the children, and he did just that. The rabbit dog was killed, but a woman who was walking by was also shot, and she didn't make it. And it was an accident, but Juan Sin Miedo, he was still arrested, and he had to carry out his sentence in this very prison. After seven years, prison guards offered to award Juan his freedom if he survived cell 27, and uh, Juan Sin Miedo accepted the challenge because he's fearless, you know? <laughs> so he asked only for candles and matches. Juan intended to stay awake the entire night, but around midnight, his need for sleep began to overcome him and he began to doze off. As he dozed off, he heard the sound of something walking up the wall. <laughs> he quickly lit a mandel. Oh my God. <laughs> my brain, man. It's not the same after COVID. Actually, it's always been like this. <laughs> Dude, I've been forgetting. I, I talk about something right now, like after mm-hmm. COVID and the brain fog is so bad that I'll repeat myself like two or three times until someone's like, Dude, you're do- the COVID brain. It's wild, right? I don't know. It's weird. Okay, so he he quickly lit a candle, not a mandel. <laughs> he <laughs> Okay, so he quickly lit a candle with a match and he saw nothing, but the feeling of being watched persisted. So he continued to fight sleep, but around 3 a.m. he heard the noise again. Something walking up the wall, almost crawling. Oh, hell no. He was down to his last candle and this candle was beginning to die out. He looked around trying to find the source of the sound and what he saw terrified him. There was no ghost in cell 27. It was not the devil. What Juan Sin Miedo saw was a giant scorpion. Ugh. Gigantic. And at that moment, the moment he saw the scorpion, his candle went out. Oh, 
fuck? He was able to see that it was a lot bigger than his hand. Almost like four times the size. No, I made that part up. I don't know how big exactly, but bigger than his hand. (laughs) Oh, hell no. So he quickly lit another match and he noticed the scorpion remained in the shadows. Every time his match went out, he quickly lit a new one. And it seemed that the scorpion inched closer and closer every time. Almost as if if it were waiting for complete darkness to make its move. As if it were playing with him. Juan continued to light his matches, but he lost sight of the scorpion. He looked and looked and could not find it. Out of nowhere, his last match went out, and he saw it right in front of him, ready to strike. Juan quickly grabbed his sombrero, his hat, and he covered the spot where he thought the scorpion was at, and he held the hat there, not daring to move. Morning came, and the guards were sure that Juan Sin Miedo was dead. They carried a stretcher. They arrived with a fucking stretcher. Oh, my God. (laughs) They carried a stretcher to cell 27, and they were surprised to find Juan still breathing. He was in a weird position, and he informed them that he knew what was happening. He moved his hat, and all three men looked as the giant scorpion crawled away. Juan was freed, but the giant scorpion never left his mind. And it's said that this very scorpion is on display in a museum in Durango. Well, that makes sense because Durango is known for their scorpions. Like mm-hmm. the entire state has like everything scorpion themed because it's like their habitat. It's where they're most happy. <laughs> um, I've touched a scorpion before and they feel very Ew. weird. Why? Uh, they had like a like an insect petting zoo. And you touched it. <laughs> yeah. You know what it feels like? Okay. Um, you, you know how uh, those dried Mexican peppers, you know, mm-hmm. when you get the big ones, los esos los grandotes, the red ones, and, you know, they're dried, but they feel like a little bit leathery. You know what I'm talking about? Like they feel like a weird plastic almost. Yes, yes. That's, the, mm-hmm. that's the exact same texture that scorpions have. Disgusting. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. It, like I've touched scorpion tarantula before the petting well you won't catch me doing that (laughs) there's also a that's that that's Uh as far as my insect stuff goes oh okay spiders and scorpions and bees and that's it everything else even butterflies butterflies scare me (laughs) oh my god butterflies but not scorpions weird no like (laughs) butterflies are worms with wings okay oh yeah i never (laughs) thought about it like that but yeah I guess so. <laughs> Freaky to me. <laughs> uh, there's also a corrido called Celda 27. Uh, and it's been covered by a lot of Mexican bands. Most popular, uh, the most popular cover is probably by Conjunto Primavera. Mm-hmm. Which I, I have never heard the song. And I was going to listen to it before talking about this and I forgot to. <laughs> but the original corrido was written by Luis Miguel Garcia who was born in Corrales, Durango in 1925 and he moved to the United States with his wife in 1948 and he wrote La Celda 27 in 1962 along with other famous corridos and he had a Tejano band with his family. (laughs) Oh, no way. Just pretty cool. Yeah, and he passed away in 2019 but just just some random back like information about the uh, song itself. Uh, But yeah, that was La Celda 27. Just a short little jail legend that is that is creepy <laughs> yeah i can't do i can't do large butts if they're tiny 
fine. If they're huge, it's a no. I'd rather it be a ghost <laughs> than, yeah, a I'd scor- ra- than a scorpion. <laughs> that is true. I, I, I mean, I touch a scorpion, but still, I wouldn't be like one of those people that are like, oh, look, let me let me go into this. Like, you know how they do those weird ones where it's like someone stands in the middle and there's nothing but bugs surrounding. Them. Oh, I can't do that. No, you're giving me chills. <laughs> <laughs> because I totally had a freak out when I went to um, the aquarium. And my son was touching a giant isopod. And for those, like, <laughs> giant isopods are pretty much insects. They're, like, the same yeah. as, like, roly-polies, except they live in the ocean. They look the same. If you, like, get a close-up of a roly-poly and an isopod, they look exactly the same. They're just, one is gigantic. And my son was so in love with it. And I'm having, like, in front of the the person who's doing this display thing, allowing kids to touch it, I'm having a full-blown meltdown because this thing scares oh me God. so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't do insects. I get so traumatized every time I go to Mexico because of the cucarachas, the cockroaches. Oh, my God. And they fucking fly over there. Oh, hell no. Yeah. And, and like, I'm just so... Like, obviously, I, I go and I visit, and but every time I'm, like, there, I'm, like, oh, my God, I have to deal with this. Like, I will not get up and, like, one time I was walking to the bathroom from the room I was staying in, and, and halfway in between the bathroom and me, there was, like, a car- cockroach on the floor, and I was, like, nope, let me turn back around. And it doesn't make any sense because they can crawl anywhere, and so, oh, God, they just freak me out. <laughs> and it's, like, it doesn't matter how clean you keep your house. Like, my, my abuelita's no, house yeah. is, like, like so clean and they're just they just they're everywhere and they put no, traps yeah, everywhere but oh terrifying i i sometimes go walking like to the same place to the same you know the uc area at night where you know during summer when it's really nice i'm like let's go for a walk and get some ice cream but anyways the uc at night you have all the bugs come out in the garden yeah and it's like these giant garden cockroaches and those, they don't exist in Washington. So I'm like, I miss California, but that's one thing that I don't miss. <laughs> the bugs. Oh my God. The bugs right now. No, are the insane. cockroaches specifically. Oh, the cockroaches. Yeah. There's none here. I haven't seen so one jealous. anywhere. I'm it's so amazing. jealous. <laughs> anyway, enough cockroach talk. <laughs> <laughs> like every summer I have the June bugs come I'm out. I'm going to vomit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate them so much. <laughs> oh, anyway. Same, same, same thing. <laughs> all right i have one more um story this is called la hacienda blanca i heard this on episode 70 of las moras malditas it's all in spanish which is why i'm sharing it because um anyone that doesn't speak spanish is missing out on these amazing stories mm-hmm. moras malditas, I've, t- I've recommended it before as a speaking recommendation but it's such a good podcast and they ha- also have a youtube channel so i don't like watching on YouTube because um, I can't just sit there and watch. Usually I listen to podcasts because I can have an earphone in while doing other things. So that's why I listen. That's how I listen on Spotify. But yeah, um, it's it's uh, yeah one of my favorite shows. It's really good. So that's where I heard this. Um, La Hacienda Blanca. So this takes place in Oaxaca and it's, I believe, New Year's 1998. So a group of young friends all around 16 had just finished celebrating New Year's with family you know, they gave each other their New Year's hugs, el abrazo y el beso, you know how we all do yes. <laughs> right at midnight. And so, but they still wanted to go out. And so this group of friends, they weren't into partying or drinking. They were just very adventurous. So they decided to visit a place that is known as La Hacienda Blanca. 
and they'd been there before many times. It's uh, it's an hacienda that's known to be haunted, but they'd never gone there at night. Specific group of friends. Hacienda Blanca was rumored to be haunted, and it was said to contain a buried treasure within its walls. And the group of friends had been there before, but never past midnight, and certainly not on New Year's. They believed that perhaps whatever dwelled in the hacienda would be more notable on this day. Like, maybe the energy would be more powerful, more dark. Maybe the veil between the living and the dead was thinner because it was New Year's Eve slash day. That's what they thought. So And so that's why they wanted to go. I would have not. <laughs> I would have been like, no. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> so they, they piled into three cars and they went. Uh, when they arrived, they all felt a very strong and cold breeze. This cold, strong breeze had not been there when they left their houses before they got into their cars. One couple among the group, we'll call them Maria and Miguel, they were holding hands when out of nowhere, Maria began screaming and she ran deep into the hacienda. Everyone was confused. It seemed as if Maria was being pulled by an unseen force deep into the hacienda. They formed into groups to go after her, except for one friend who stayed in the car. That would have been me. <laughs> <laughs> so each group had a single flashlight. And uh, it's important to note uh, that because of all the tales of the buried treasure in the hacienda, the land was full of holes, like holes everywhere. So many had been there digging, searching for gold, and they left behind these holes. It's also said that the devil appears to those that go searching for gold there. Back to the story. So every group had one flashlight and they took off into different directions watching for holes as they walked as soon as they began walking in the dark with their single flashlight they began to hear cackles oh hell no no mames they yelled <laughs> asking for maria like maria wait where are you Probably shitting their fucking pants because that's that was me when I heard this story. I was like, oh, my God, who the fuck is laughing? Where is Maria? I would have left her there. <laughs> I'd be like, sorry, Maria, I love you. But... I'm sorry. Maria. Adios. Luego te veo. I'm, I'll tough, see you later. Maybe not. Luck. I don't know. <laughs> but no, no, they continued walking. At this point, they were all together holding hands, walking in, in a group because they were scared shitless. Uh, and then they saw a shadow, like, quickly pass. Oh, hell no. In the hall in front of them, the shadow seemed too quick to be Maria. They were more frightened, but they needed to find their friend, so they kept going. And they arrived at this, like, backyard-looking area. Obviously, it's way bigger because this is an hacienda. And, and what is hacienda in English? Like, a. Uh... It makes me think of, like, the homes in plantations, though. Like, the main house in the plantation is huge, and then there's, like, all the little quarters for all the enslaved people. That's what I think of, because... It just says, it says large ranch, or... Yeah, it says large oh. ranch or plantation, so you're right. Oh, there we go. Oh, my God, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, plantation is what I think of. So, yeah, this is a huge, huge place. And so, they got to the back, where there was, like, a patio area, and further from where they stood, they heard a person laughing and they turned. So this was behind them when they walked into the patio. They walked and could see the whole thing. And then they heard like to the side of them, they heard this laughing and they turned and they saw Maria by herself kneeling on the ground and laughing. 
And a friend told Miguel, wait, that's your girl. Go get her. Like, you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're so far away from her at this point, all of them. So they begin to walk towards her together. And at that moment, one of their phone rings. And these are like, this is like late 90s. So this is like a giant brick, like of a phone. <laughs> Of like those giant black like Motorola phones. Yeah, <laughs> the old ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. the walkie-talkie looking ones. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the friend that stayed in the car was calling, and he told them, "No entren al cuarto atrás en el patio. No entren. No importa lo que hagan, no más no entren allá atrás." And he hung up. So he said, "Do not enter the room in the patio in the back. Whatever you do, do not enter the room in the back." And then he just hung up. This is exactly where they were. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, um, they were like, "Well, th- that's where Maria's at." And so they continued walking towards her because they wanted to take her back home. And so they were walking towards her, and uh, Miguel went on. They stayed behind, and he went to go get her. And he got closer to her, and he could just hear her laughing and crying at the same time. Oh, what the fudge? And when he got within arm's reach, suddenly Maria leaped onto him and began trying to bite him and hit him. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> what did you think I was going to say? What could I was possibly... like, what are you trying to do? kill him i don't what <laughs> i need to know what you thought <laughs> was gonna happen <laughs> i thought she was like gonna start making out with him because she finally saw her boyfriend <laughs> oh my god i was choked in my fucking water like, why would that happen next? i don't know i probably if i was like trapped scared shitless if i saw my husband i'd jump on oh him my god. for kissing him water when you said that and the water went up my nose <laughs> it's like a, it's like oh it's not a lovely dovey re- reunion <laughs> it's like she's trying no, to kill he's saving her and i was like and i was like oh they're gonna be reunited again <laughs> oh my god i quite literally almost died right now because of you <laughs> No, it did not go that way. She attacked him instead. <laughs> wow. No, my God. It made sense in my head. I was like, oh, they're going to reunite. And she's going to, like, hug him and kiss him. She went from crying slash laughing to herself, like, rocking and kneeling on the floor to, like, just kissing him. <laughs> okay, so back to this. <laughs> So Miguel cried for help and his friends ran to him, pulling them apart. And then they dragged Maria out of there, like threw her over a shoulder and just ran uh, to their cars. And when they were ready to drive, uh, so they all got into their respective cars because they were three cars deep. And so, yeah, they were ready to drive. And in the car that Maria was in, Maria, Miguel, and three other friends, they heard footsteps, a bunch of little footsteps on top of the car that Maria was in. Like, this little, like, you know, like, footsteps. Yes. And so they peeled out while holding Maria back because she was going crazy in the car. They drove and then they stopped further away from the hacienda because one friend suddenly began choking, like, out of nowhere. Then they <laughs> continued. Like, he was fine, and they continued. And then they stopped again, 
Because some of them had to throw up from all the fear and shit. Like <laughs> During their second time, they stopped. They noticed little tiny handprints all over the car that Maria was in. And then one giant handprint on the back, uh, in the rear window. Ew. After that, they tried going to the hospital to take Maria uh, there because she was hysterical. She was like growling, trying to bite them, just like out of like, just out of pocket going wild, you know, and they didn't know what was wrong with her. And so they got to the hospital. They told nurses what happened. The nurses thought it was a prank and kicked them out. (laughs) And so then they didn't know what to do. And one of them had the idea to contact the church. And all the while, Maria is just not acting like herself. So a father agreed to meet them. Um, so he saw what happened, and he agreed to meet them uh, in a house, one of their houses. So they drove to one of the friend's houses. I think it was Miguel's house, actually. Yeah, they went to Miguel's house after that. And the, the padre was going to meet them there. And so the moment that he saw Maria, he... he told everyone in the group and he said he said if anyone in this group is weak leave now because whatever is attached to maria will attach itself to anyone who is weak in this room so they all left and the padre stayed there he did his thing and he presumably he performed an exorcism and hours later he came out of the house and he said it was done it's all done now just let her rest and so uh, it was the next day. Everyone went their separate ways, except Miguel, because this was his house. <laughs> so he stayed. I would not have an exorcism at my house. Just <laughs> why? Did, why did they go to the church? Is my question. Like, why no, didn't... Maria, we're having it at your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's gonna be at your house, Maria. <laughs> but no, it was at Miguel's house. And so then it was nightfall. It was nighttime. Everything was normal. The day was normal. You know, the nighttime hit. And then he heard a knock. And he went to the front door, but no one was there. And again, he heard it again. He heard knocking. And and he realized it was coming from inside the house. So he went looking for the source of the knocking. And he realized that it was his room door. Someone was knocking at his room. Uh, and it was Maria. And he was shocked to see her. Like, what could she be doing there? How does she get in? Because there was no one at the front door. Though he was shocked to see her, she asked to be let in. He hesitated, but he was like, sure, come on in. And he'd be like, no, go home. I would be like, uh, no, thank you. I don't know you. <laughs> Who are you? I don't know her anymore. She then asked to sleep next to him and for him to hold her. And he felt an immense fear, but he agreed. What the hell? Yeah. And so he held her and she cried like all night. She cried and cried and he had no idea why. And eventually they both fell asleep. The next day when he woke up, she was gone. She was nowhere to be seen. Almost as if she were never there. Ew. He was confused, but he decided to never contact Maria again. (laughs) I mean, same. Yeah, right. And so uh, years passed, years later, he was buying tacos and he saw her, but she didn't seem like herself to him. And she didn't recognize him. She didn't say hi or anything, like nothing. And, and he swears that it was just, it was not her. And after he encountered her, he told his mom about seeing her and how she didn't seem herself. And at the same time, his, his own mom, Miguel's mom, was like going to a medium and these two were not connected. She just happened to already be going to the medium. And so 
he walked with her to see the medium and when she greeted both of them she did not want to let miguel in like she didn't like like him for whatever reason and so the mom went in and the medium told her what had happened on that night and she had no idea because he never told her and so he said the only reason that miguel did not end up like maria is because something someone was protecting him Miguel's mom immediately thought of her own father, Miguel's grandfather, that he was protecting Miguel. And the medium also told uh, told his mom that Miguel needed a limpieza because there was a dark force following him. And that's why she didn't let him inside the her own house, the medium's house. So he had the limpieza done. Everything was safe, though he never ran into Maria again. And um, presumably um, she is not herself. I don't know. That is creepy. Yeah. And there's so many, so many things that I'm like, people have no self-preservation. <laughs> yeah. So on to my Hacienda story. We're traveling back to Huacasco, Jalisco. And for those who have been listening to a Spooky for a while, I have told stories of Huacasco before. It's like a vortex of high strangeness. There are Yorona sightings, demons, curses, UFOs, Aliens. you name it, they got it. <laughs> yeah. And one of the many things that they also have is a haunted hacienda. And this hacienda in particular, my grandma worked in as a teenager. And my grandma, my great grandma was friends with one of the owners, a woman named Rafaela, but they called her Rafaela La Capitana. And she was, you know, she was the jefa, the big boss. <laughs> For this week's topic, I went to Telepaisa on YouTube. I love their name, Telepaisa. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> and they travel around Mexico and, and they visit all these little pueblitos that many people have never heard of. And they, you know, look at the, you know, go to haunted places or talk about like, you know, legends and stuff. So I, I love that YouTube channel. It's in Spanish. So again, as Christina said, if you don't know Spanish, you're missing out on a lot. But we're here to translate some of it, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah. So in this particular video, they go to Jalisco, and on the second half, they travel, and they go to La Hacienda de Huacasco. The interviewer, Alma Coronel, was able to be shown around one of the family members that, you know, that currently own the Hacienda, Hugo Ortega. And Hugo gives us a little background. This hacienda is roughly 300 years old, minus a few years. It was built by the family Yamas, was then sold to the family Sanchez, and to uh, two women that were called the Señorita Siluetas, and currently owned by the Ortega family. Hugo, who is part of the Ortega family, is also currently their groundskeeper. The hacienda is falling apart and unfortunately needs a lot of repair. The grounds are still kept clean, you know, for the most part, as best as he can by Hugo. And mm -hmm. Ugo, and he goes on to retell his experiences. He says, in the middle of the night, you can hear us, the hacienda come alive. You can hear people t taking water out of the well. There are times when he would hear horses in the stables and the horses trotting in and out of the stables and around the hacienda. He describes it as an echo that the Hacienda records sounds and is replaying them. Many of the people who have worked and, and, you know, he himself says he can hear murmuring, people having conversations, but he could never understand what they were saying. 
In this tour, he shows what used to be the workers' chapel, which has since been transformed into a kitchen area. And in this area, he says, in the middle of the night, it sounds like crashing of plates or something falling. And he goes in to check and nothing's on the floor. Nothing is out of place. According to him, these experiences randomly happen from 12 a.m. and onward. And though at first he was scared as he's grown accustomed to the noises, when he's alone in the hacienda, he no longer is scared. He's sometimes the only person on the property. And he sometimes is there, like sleeps there. So by himself in the whole hacienda. Brave man. (laughs) Yeah. Not me. No, not not I. (laughs) Um, He says it's as if the vaqueros had come home and were going about their business. And he isn't scared now that they have electricity on the property as before they used to have to use lanterns. He goes on to explain that he would find the door to the workers' chapel opened and it would constantly open by itself. Wow. In the middle of the night, by the way, you guys, Ugh. like, again, he's saying that all this stuff happens at night. <laughs> wow. Hugo goes on to explain that the entire ranchito is full of bad energy everywhere. The town of Huacasco has a bloody history, lots of death and murder. He also says that some of the owners of the hacienda would overwork the help and sometimes they would starve them. And there was a lot of abuse and a few workers have died from the abuse of some of the uh, hacienda owners on the property. And he goes on to say that in 1947, there was a lot of murders, seven to eight people on the hacienda. They, um, he doesn't go on to explain exactly how they were, you know, murdered. But um, from what he goes on to say is like they these people didn't like each other and they weren't like the hacienda owners. They were just like, I think one of the workers, they just didn't workers? like each other. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they ended up killing each other off stark (laughs) yeah the ranchito also was cursed by a priest a group of bandits tried to kill him and in return he cursed wakasco and many believe this is the reason that the ranchito is in constant drought is this a separate curse from the that lake story or the same curse i think it's the same curse okay which you know i which is the is the reason why the lake also you know or whatever, like the priests couldn't get like pump water out of yes, the, yes, yes. Well, yeah. So this is the same same curse, and he thinks it's spread throughout the entire city, which is also why there's such a bloody history and hauntings in the hacienda. And you know, he says that the the priest said, "Ah, si me quieren matar, maldito sea este rancho." And it's believed, <laughs> like you know, why there's so many negative negative energy in this area. And, you know, the homes and every, like the whole town is haunted pretty much. Yeah. Legend also says that there is treasure hidden within the grounds of the hacienda. Always, always treasure, always treasure. in haciendas. Yeah. And though Hugo and his family searched with a metal detector and dug around the property, nothing was found. He believes it's just a legend with no truth to it. And that's pretty much it. It's just like there's there's just... No big story, but anyone who goes there, um, especially at night, will hear, you know, uh, disembodied voices or sounds that make no sense because it's pretty, it's an empty hacienda. Like, it's crumbling, it's falling apart, there's no animals, it's it's not functioning, they don't have, like, you know, the, the farm that they, that was attached to it, you know, it's no longer in service or whatever, so it's, and it's, like, so often... 
that anybody who goes there can pretty much, you know, probably hear it whenever they go. It's just, it, it becomes such a normal occurrence that the people who work there, including Ugo himself, they're just, they just have become so normalized they're to used it. To that it. They, they're like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't phase them. Yeah. But again, for anybody who's trying to go to these areas, be respectful of the culture there. We've gone over, like a lot of Westerners go to places that don't believe the same way and they do like they disrespect the dead there or they disrespect the customs there mm-hmm. and you know be respectful and mindful don't do any like summoning and stuff because it's not your place and if you go just be aware that a lot of people think this place is haunted and has a lot of bad energy and whether you believe or not especially if you believe you could have something attached to you and i'm just warning y'all because this is like one place that I'm like, no mas en caso. I am not stepping there. Yeah. I was about to say, ooh, maybe I'll go when I visit Mexico. And then I was like, no. What am I thinking? I'm not going to go. No. And then there's like, it's it's like also like the people there are friendly, like the locals. But you have a lot of people who pass through there. It's like a transient place. And it's very, it's there's been a lot of people who passed through there that are like just violent oh, violent and you know murderers and stuff and it's even though the people there are friendly i feel like it draws in a lot of negativity and like people who just have this dark aura about them who like are bloodthirsty just tend to congregate there even if they're not locals it's like it calls to them and be careful y'all <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say Yes, yes, that is important to note. Yeah, and oh, do you have any spooky recommendations this week? Oh, there. Uh, let me see. Hold on, I gotta Google this. Um, this one movie, but if you have one, go. What was mine? I guess. I mean, I've already. Have I already? Yes, I'm pretty sure I've already recommended it. But, um, Moras Malditas. You guys need to listen to it. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, and again, it's all in Spanish, and they just, they have the scariest stories, and yeah, it's just, it's really good. Yeah, that is, that is mine this week. I haven't been watching or doing much, so. Yeah, I haven't actually been watching much, but I did watch this one movie called Underwater. It's a 2020 sci-fi horror film with Kristen Stewart, and you guys hear me out, hear me out. It's not scary, but they pretty much, you know... They have like a, I don't even know what it's called, but they have like this research building like six miles underneath the water and creatures are awoken and they're attacking the entire research or like the entire base. And pretty much there's six, you know, six uh, miles underwater and these people have to find a way to reach the surface and they fight for their lives but here's why i'm recommending this it's not scary it is i believe it is rated r but it's but it's not scary if you love lovecraftian creatures okay okay this is for you i'm like i love lovecraft he he writes my favorite like he has written my favorite um monsters in literature Mm -hmm. history so when i saw this i was like watching it 
<laughs> and if you, you yeah. know, if, and if you read Lovecraft, you 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 should know which monster I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. that's my spooky recommendation. I don't know if you find yourself in a haunted hacienda and you hear cackling in the middle of the night, just turn around and get your happy ass back in your car. <laughs> yeah. Self-preservation, people. Uh, stay a spooky and we will catch everyone next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to our spooky supporting us on Patreon. Melida, Janie, Michelle, Monica, Winston, Modesto, Cynthia, Perla, Jesenia, Kristen, Dalia, Mariela, Rene, Iris, Ghost Train, and Madtown Charity. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to join the Patreon and get bonus episodes, monthly goodies in the mail, and more, go over to patreon.com slash spookytales. Spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, produced and edited by Christina, and is a proud member of the Cultivate Network. For more podcasts on the network, check out CultivatePodcastNetwork.com. Don't forget to check out our Spooky merch. We have Spooky shirts, we have No Mamas shirts, and we have a cool hat that I just added. It's like a baseball hat, not like a hat hat. Um, we also have a beanie in there, and they just say Spooky on there, but I'm a big fan of the hat. It says Spooky in Old English letters, and I love it. I wear it every day, not because I want to go around repping the podcast, but it's comfy. It's a great hat. You can go to SpookyTales.com store. I'm always adding new designs. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and share this with an spooky friend. 